Hello and welcome to Real World Radio Europe, a show bringing together what's going on in the 30 plus national member groups of Friends of the Earth Europe. We're the European branch of the world's largest grassroots environmental and social justice network, Friends of the Earth International. And today we're going to bring you to Spain, to Girona, where the first energy democracy convergence happened in September. Welcome to the energy democracy convergence. Here we have about 80 people from all over Europe, from Romania to Ireland and from Finland to Turkey. And we've been talking in the last days about people taking the energy system into their own hands. And we've heard a lot of inspiring stories. We heard, heard a lot of struggles. Um, and we're just going to go a little deeper in this podcast into hearing how citizens are already taking that energy system into their own hands. And this conversation will be hosted by myself, Molly Walsh, a renewables campaigner at Friends of the Earth Europe, and by Hector de Prado, the climate and energy campaigner with Amigos de la Tierra. And we're sitting here with four guests, and I'll allow them now to introduce themselves. Uh, hi, I'm Lavinia Steinfurt from Transnational Institute, uh, a research and advocacy institute in Amsterdam. Hi, my name is Angel Matilla, and I work with uh, a sustainable mobility cooperative called So Mobilitat. My name is Dirk van Sint-Jan. I'm the president of the European Federation of Renewable Energy Cooperatives, rescop.eu based in Belgium. Hello, I'm Alexa Botar, a climate and energy campaigner at Friends of the Earth Hungary. Some of you come from pretty far away. I would like to know from you what brought you here, what drew your attention about this gathering. Maybe we can start with uh, Angel. Well, as part of Some Mobilitat and as a member of uh, Some Energia and also the citizen of Catalonia, I considered this opportunity as, as a big chance of actually getting to meet uh, other people who think in a, in a really similar way about the, uh, let's say, energy democracy matter, which is something that uh, it's actually really important for, for both some energy and some mobilitat, and it's uh, something that has been in our minds for quite some time. Therefore, uh, what actually drew me here was to, to know what's the different opinions and, and different mindsets um, all around uh, other places in the world. Rescope uh, and myself, we're present because we co-organize this convergence. For us, um, this is an opportunity to, as energy cooperatives, to meet with campaigners like people from Friends of the Earth are. We've been working together before, and uh, for us, this is an opportunity to a bit refresh our our thinking on, about things. And I've heard a lot of uh, interesting things. I think we will work more on on the commons uh, about wind and sun as a common good. So we should deepen our, our ideas about this. I've been working uh, on the community energy program since uh, three years now. And I came here to, to get inspired by some really good examples of, of cooperatives and community initiatives 
and to to make a step forward in getting the energy democracy to basically to to learn how to to make a good business model how to get finance for for these community initiatives so basically just an info exchange about about getting organized and and, and community yeah and, and i think uh, the the convergence has met my expectations <laughs> nicely i came here because this convergence is is a quite unique and and first momentum to to meet so many people from from in europe and also from turkey from other places um, and hear stories and experiences that are crucial to understand how diverse the practices towards energy democracy are. Um, and SDNI is co-hosting the uh, mailing list and the energydemocracy.net website. It's crucial to, to, to hear the work on the ground and to think about how we can exchange those those stories and advance this 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 movement uh, that is clearly already in, in in different shapes existing in different countries and 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 cities so um it's very promising to to see there is so much overlap between the frameworks and the work and we can learn so much in terms of energy as a commons energy as a public service energy that is run by communities and and how it relates to to issues of degrowth so it's such a rich focus that brings all our struggles together i feel so i'm very happy to be here maybe we can hear a little bit about some of the initiatives that are happening um Angle, can you tell us about the Sans Mobilitat and what you're involved in? Sans Mobilitat was born in June last year, 2016. And basically we caught on the idea what Sans Energia had already started to create a non-profit uh, cooperative to provide a service to the uh, to the society. Of course, Sans Energia took already the one of the most important services that you can offer to, to the community, which is energy. But energy, as provided by some energia, is uh, basically the electricity that you can get. And there are other forms of services that the community need and other forms of energy that uh, you are actually using as a society. So a group of people in, in Mataró, which is in a city in the, in the Catalan coast, decided to replicate the same concept that Somaradia was using for uh, electricity distribution, but to offer a sustainable mobility option for, for the society. And so we were constituted as a cooperative, and the, uh, the idea behind that, basically I mean, our motto would be to to strive towards a more sustainable mobility, and that would imply to offer all different kinds of uh, services to to um, to make sure that that happens and as part of uh, rescop.eu actually we are in a let's say a smaller part of rescop eu which is called rescop mobility currently uh, rescop mobility has uh, five different cooperatives in, in different uh, countries in europe and under that umbrella there were there was another cooperative in Belgium which was already offering an electrical car sharing service and we decided that that would be a, a proper way to, uh, to start trying to, to change uh, the mobility step by step. 
Cool, that's a really interesting project. Um, Alexa, maybe you'd like to tell a little bit the story of the straw bale housing initiative in Hungary. Yes, as we are just sitting in a very nice uh, round uh, straw bale house, um, uh, it's, it's really inspirational. Uh, in Hungary, we have uh, this straw bale network, uh, which is a kind of cooperation between uh, green NGOs and social NGOs using straw bales to insulate or to form walls of, of the house, which um, basically provides a cheap and uh, sustainable solution to, to energy poverty, especially for rural areas where people often lack the money and, and they waste a lot of energy. So these, these straw bale houses are a, is a good alternative and this network helps them to, to learn uh, how to use this technique and there are like trainings and all kind of workshops where they can actually build these houses. So it's also a community building element in it. And um, basically in these uh, poor areas, it also provides an employment for people because public benefit workers can be trained to, to build, these build these insulations and make these houses. So it can be really uh, like, uh, beneficial for the local economy. Yeah, we, so we promote this uh, strawberry housing as a, as a good uh, local solution and an opportunity to, to energy transition. Okay, this question is for Dirk, and I would like to know how a handful of people sitting around a kitchen table in a, in a small town in Flanders got back in track uh, water, an, an ancient water mill, and from there you establish uh, Eco Power, which has a lot of members nowadays. Can you tell us a bit about the story? This wonderful story. So, um, Eco Power, uh, we started in actually with uh, we bought a, an old water mill. It had a turbine, and uh, it was a national monument. So we were supposed to to restore it, and we um, soon found that a uh, not-for-profit organization has problems in raising money. So we uh, one of the ideas of one of my neighbors was. Why don't we set up an, a cooperative yeah, to raise the money? So it's a it's a business. So we can raise, we can look for members, uh, shareholders, and that's what we did. So we we started with five people, and we've in a year we had about thirty people and two million Belgian, Belgian francs. And that sounds a lot. Uh, it's two million, but it's only fifty thousand euros. And we encountered all kinds of problems, uh, obstacles when you start producing electricity. The grid, the grid operator reacted that it costed money to put our energy on the, on the grid instead of, of us receiving some money. So we, we were uh, obliged to set up a sort of lobby organization it's called Organisatie Duurzame Energie Vlaanderen. So we gathered professors, universities, uh, high schools, NGOs uh, were engaging in renewable, in renewable energy, and we successf successfully lobbied the uh, political parties. And uh, so by the end of the 90s, so it took us uh, some years, uh, eight years, we finally had a, a support mechanism so that in Flanders at least the uh, wind turbines or solar panels were profitable. And um, then we got the opportunity of a, a city who was looking for a wind turbine developer to install three wind turbines on their territory. And for them it was important that their citizens could participate. So this was the ideal tender for, for us. 
we were a candidate. Uh, also, the the big monopolist uh, Electra Bell was a candidate, but we won the tender because we offered the citizens of this city, Eklo, uh, 100% participation. And so we, we were given this opportunity and, and we grew from a small cooperative of 30 people to one of 1,200 people. So this was a big step. And we produced electricity for uh, well, more than 2,500 households. So there was some room to grow. And then two years later, the, the, the energy market in Flanders was liberalized uh, due to a directive from Europe. And then our members made the decision in the General Assembly that we would become a supplier. This gave us a lot of uh, headaches and gray hair. Some of us lost their hair. But uh, finally we were able to establish this supplier. And this, this really was a, a third start of our cooperative. We discovered that when you are able to supply your members with the electricity they produce with their wind turbines, that this attracts a lot of people. Uh, so once the wind turbines are installed, they, they come and we were able to provide them with, let's say the less expensive electricity uh, they could get on the market. So people found us and now we have grown in, let's say uh, 15 years, yeah, almost 15 years time to a cooperative of more than 50,000 members and we supply 1.5% of the Flemish households with their own green electricity. Yeah, we didn't know we started this in around this kitchen table. We would have probably not believed it, but it shows that that if you are stubborn and you have you have a lot of energy, you can change laws. You can you can have a support mechanism if you really uh, fight for it. Yeah. Well, Lavinia, I am. Um you have been doing some extensive research on municipalization, remunicipalization, other forms of democratization of the energy. Uh, this seems to be more and more a trend, that it's always becoming a trend all over Europe. Among all these cases you've been uh, going through, can you share with us like a particular one that inspired you and you would like to share with our Yes, we published the Reclaiming Public Services in, in this summer, in June. And this was um, a publication after more than one and a half years of research with yeah over 10, like 13 researchers and next to TNI, 11 other organizations. And together we found out that there's this growing wave of remunicipalization, which means that uh, privatized public services are failing and that citizens and cities and that citizens push their cities to deprivatize these services because they can do and run and own these services much better themselves. So we counted in total 835 cases, cases that are happening across Europe but also in across other continents and we see that these remunicipalizations are a strategy towards energy democracy. So it's it's many water remunicipalizations, um, in total 267 and 311 energy remunicipalizations. And this often involves remunicipalizing the supply, but also the grid. And next to that, we also see important waste and recycling, transport and school canteens, remunicipalizations where 
For example, the city of Grenoble has the aim to have 100% organic food in the school canteens, but also the city of Briançon is moving towards the zero waste strategy. And I think energy democracy is also connected to, to those transitions. And the energy, uh, as I said before, is, is affecting all, our, all, our, all the spheres of our lives and of the community life we are part of. So it's very promising to see how cities, uh, together with its citizens and together with the workers of these of these public uh, companies can run very efficiently and much cheaper these services and have a, have a sustainable vision for the long run, so also for future generations. So many of these energy remunicipalizations are going together with more investments in renewables, more participation by the citizens, and that is very promising. I think it's really exciting to hear about this like silent movement almost of remunicipalization of citizens taking their energy systems or taking them back and I think one of the things we've been hearing about over the days here is how much is actually happening everywhere and how many plans people have for the for the future and for the next step so I want to ask some of you what what's going to be the next step for your organizations and your initiatives maybe I'll start with you and what's next for some mobilitat so yeah, I think, I mean, these days definitely, I've seen that there is a huge momentum, uh, not, not only here, but actually happening all around and precisely empowering people in all around the globe to yeah, take back precisely their, their energy uh, generation, not, not only energy, but actually everything that, that people consume. And I believe that's, that's really related to, to the fact that uh, in, in, in a time that we've reached that we are visibly reaching limits of some resources in the earth that we, we realize that the private way of, of handling things is definitely not addressing the, the needs of the people. But going back to your question, the next steps for, for some mobilitat. So as I said before, we are quite young and we are still trying to, to establish um, our core in the different members in all, all around Catalonia. And we have worked really hard to, to create a framework to provide this uh, first uh, car, electrical car sharing service to all of them. And what we want to do is to uh, expand now. We want to, to start growing in a, in a similar way as Some Energy is doing. We want to, to address the different municipalities. We want to address the local groups. We want to see what are their needs. And we want to be able to, with, with the tools that we have created, to, to offer them tailored solutions for, for their mobility needs. And that's, that's the dream that we have. And also, we, we would like to, to see our proposal replicated in other regions, not only in Spain, but, but in Europe. I mean, we are already seeing that in, in Rescop uh, Mobility. We're seeing that already five cooperatives are, are offering this mobility services and we strongly believe that we are creating a framework that can be actually reused in I mean we are we are kind of pioneers in a let's say in a framework that hopefully the effort that we are putting in, in into that uh, will not have to be done by other people that want to replicate the same the same things that we are that we are doing so long story short we would like to see our model replicated all around if possible and again so seeing people 
taking back yeah what is ours actually <laughs> cool thank you Dirk, rescop.eu is already quite a strong network but what's going to be taking it to the next level for you guys for taking ownership of renewable energy into people's hands uh, rescop.eu the federation is um, setting up services to its members and, and all the other energy cooperatives that are not a member yet like you explained about e-mobility uh, so we we want to prevent that everyone is figuring out how uh, a wheel works or how warm water is being made so we we can help them uh, with taking serious steps forwards with sharing knowledge and experiences we some other some of our members have so we're also working on setting up a a mutual of cooperatives uh, that helps starting and growing cooperatives finance their projects. They are facing similar problems everywhere uh, of raising capital from citizens at the early stages of a, of a project. Uh, citizens come when the wind turbines are up and running and that's a bit late. So we have to overcome this problem. Another, uh, they all have administration uh, they have IT uh, needs, so by working together we can we can help them. So we, we have to reach out to the part of Europe where we are hardly present, so, so Eastern Europe. We, we are trying to help uh, Greece, for instance, to adapt their legislation so that energy cooperatives uh, can emerge. So we, we have quite a lot of work. <laughs> we are trying also to, when it's about demand response smart grid smart meters uh, we're uh, participating in in european research projects so that we can offer our members the tools the apps the hardware uh, they need in future so it's quite a lot of work but it's very interesting it, we are we are in an interesting period in in history the energy transition offers us the uh, a chance that we reach energy democracy it's a chance we as a citizen we can't let go so we we have to grab this this chance uh, the energy production comes very close to us decentralized uh, smaller on our own roofs but if we don't watch out the big utilities will install these solar panels on our roofs that's why we have to be present vigilant we have to have the tools they will also offer to citizens so Alexa, well, um, taking into account the, the atrocious uh, political environment that uh, Hungary is suffering these days, I would like to know uh, how do you plan to keep up your momentum, your initiative? We've got really inspired by a workshop in Mass Frank. I think we, as we see it, and in many other Eastern European countries, that we, we need to demonstrate that we don't have to wait, I mean, we shouldn't wait for the government to act. And, citizens are strong enough to make their own initiatives and provide their own energy. And Friends of the Earth Hungary has taken up the role of connecting these uh, local initiatives, energy uh, communities, and also like building their capacity, helping them either with training or with connecting with uh, energy experts or finding them the, a business model or trying to think about alternative ways of funding. So it's, it's really um, a very challenging, but a very also a re very rewarding uh, task to, to, to see the, the, this kind of movement uh, growing up um, in a kind of quite, uh, well, to say, um, 
Eastern European country like Hungary. And well, when I go back to Hungary, I, uh, I will continue to uh, build the cooperation with the municipalities. We prepared a kind of a photovoltaic community uh, power plant um, plan uh, that can be adapted by the municipalities. And we see municipalities as a kind of actors because they are anyway a kind of community organizers. So we, we want to involve them uh, into these uh, projects and they are quite open to to get involved, so we see as a, as a potential. And also we would like to expand, for example, the Strawberry Network, also connecting with Just Transition uh, stream that, uh, for example, the Bas County in Hungary, which is an ex-coal, ex-lignite county, we want to show them an alternative, a Just Transition way uh, where they can actually develop without lignite and without exploiting fossil fuels. So I think there is much to do. And we, are, we also hope that within the next uh, one year, we can uh, launch either a cooperative or a kind of photovoltaic uh, non-profit company th- uh, in Hungary that's, uh, that can be the first community initiative actually working and with many members and we are quite positive that it can happen. And uh, Lavinia, I'd like to know the short mid-term strategy from TNI. Is your plan to keep uh, an eye in this uh, increasing wave, as you were saying, of remunicipalization and municipalization all over Europe? or you want to change the focus a bit, what would be the plans if you want to share them with us? So the plans of TNI in this field is, is definitely keeping an eye and collecting more cases of remunicipalization because the 835 cases are really a first milestone, only the tip of the iceberg of all the citizens, communities and cities that are very unhappy with the privatized public services and want to do something. So hopefully this is some kind of inspiration to to get that started. And on the other hand, we see many public-private partnerships which are the same kind of creature as privatizations in the global south. So in India, Brazil, Nigeria, uh, disastrous public-private partnerships that are only benefiting the private company at the expense of, of the population. So we want to get a better understanding of what is happening there because we count more remunicipalizations in Europe because these are very different contexts. So this is very important to to get a better better understanding of because these public-private partnerships are very aggressively pushed for. Um, and these are very often European companies, sometimes even state-owned companies. So this is a big struggle. At the same time, we would also very much like to understand better the new generation of public and democratic locally-owned companies where there are powerful partnerships between cooperatives and local public companies, among public companies, between cities. So these public partnerships or public citizen partnerships, depending on how broad you define public, because we are all the public in a way, are, um, are I think, very beneficial where we can combine these strong dynamics of democratic participation in cooperatives with the broader vision for social cohesion and, and socially just services on a municipal level. So this is something to look into more um, and also to finance the green transition. So looking at public and cooperative banks to free and have access to finance to um, pay for energy democracy. Thank you. Um, Hector, I want to ask you a question. Uh, uh, we've been friends together from working in this 
beautiful, crazy network of Friends of the Earth in different roles for probably over five years now. And I know from myself that there's bits about my job that really inspire me and there's bits that I find like frustrating and I have to push through and don't make me optimistic about the world. And actually I have to say that it's these UN conferences on climate that make me not optimistic and I feel like I'm here with people who are just negotiating the end of the world and looking for the best way to make money out of it. And it's things like the energy democracy convergence where I see that everywhere there is resistance and everywhere there's transformation. That's what makes me have that sparkle in my eyes. Um, how is it for you? Yeah, when I first started with Friends of the Earth, I remember I used to attend all those cops. But at a certain moment, I'd say, look, this is not my fight. You know, I'm all this gibberish, all these concepts, all this green washing thingies uh, was not really my thing. So I found my, my place and what I was feeling really inspired was out there in the streets, taking the streets with the people. And I've tried to, to keep that the past years. Uh, lately, I've been trying to focus on our potential ways to, to get more people on board and how to we can share information in a smart way between activists all over Europe. So for this reason, I think that we did a good job with this first uh, convergence and I hope it's not the last one. I also think that, well, since this year, COP, I mean, despite it's Fiji who uh, is hosting it, that it's going to take place in Europe. I think we, again, have a new chance to take the streets, but not to ask for a higher target or for a super binding agreement, because we know that it's not going to happen. What we need to show is that the real power stays in, in real people. And I believe that we are the true activists and the ones who uh, are going to be the trigger for the change. So I expect people to take the streets on bond and, and, and say, look, we are ahead of your negotiations um, and that's it. I uh, don't have high expectations for the COP, uh, I have to say, but I do have expectations for this growing movement that we are trying also to build up from here, from Mass Frank these days. Mm, cool. So unfortunately, tomorrow is the last day of our energy democracy convergence here in Mass Frank. And I want to ask, what ideas and new thoughts and inspiration are you going to take home from this event? We had a, an interesting session about energy as a commons and not a commodity. In this uh, workshop, the idea of creating, or it exists already, it's about alternative currency, Bitcoin, uh, blockchain, the fair coin, the solar coin. We heard about it and some of our members are, are looking at it, but it might be interesting to have a, a session where we invite these people who are working on this and that we uh, see whether the energy cooperatives can, whether these alternative currencies uh, could help us develop the energy transition to energy democracy. I'm very happy to take back home the very rich stories I heard, especially from Eastern Europe, um, from Hungary, from Alexa, um, and also the story from Minexi, if I say that correct, from Turkey. I found it very impressive how 17 cooperatives have been pushing for legislative changes to get solar subsidies and also to increase the amount that 
cooperatives and public companies, but especially cooperatives, can um, can produce in renewable energy. So this I will bring home, and also definitely the interest in remunicipalization as a broader strategy towards energy democracy, and where these partnerships between cooperatives and local public energy companies are really can be uh, really drivers for change. I also take back home the whole inspiration hearing all these uh, amazing stories uh, people struggling to to take back the, the energy from from these uh, oligopolies uh, that's that's really inspiring it's it's like a, a breeze of fresh air and uh, you were saying before about that sometimes you you get frustrated and and then uh, there are some things that get you back on track and that was definitely uh, Uh, really uh, getting back on track for me uh, in in this convergence, and I really hope it's the uh, first of many. Also, in a more maybe philosophical way, uh, I, I got really <laughs> inspired by the, the discussion we had about the commons, and it, it got me thinking. So, what are the commons? What are the the boundaries? Um, the whole redistribution uh, of of energy and resources, and yeah, basically how to how to, to make the transition happen towards what we want to, to achieve, which is in the end this real democracy uh, of, of resources for, for everyone. So dear listeners, we're uh, recording this and the first energy democracy conversion taking place in Mass Frank. For the past days we've been hearing stories about remunicipalization all over Europe. Also cases of an open pit coal mine in Georgia, stories about how renewable or mobility uh, cooperative started, stories about energy poverty or, or energy sobriety, how Danish people still struggle to achieve democracy energy, and so many other interesting stories. The last question I would like to direct it to Molly Walsh. And it's something that Angel already say. This is the first of many more. I would like to know uh, once uh, tomorrow everyone is going back home, how are we going to keep this momentum alive? How are we going to uh, keep connected these dots if they are can be considered dots? Uh, if you can maybe tell us if there's any chance uh, or any plan to have a second convergence. It's a difficult question. I think there's a, a few answers. <laughs> We definitely want to do a second one of these events um, with ResCOP, hopefully in Italy next year, in June. I hope that we'll also stay in touch, that we'll see each other at events, but also I hope that we'll stay in touch through the friendships that we've made, um, because for me, friendships are the glue that we build movements with, and that's what we've been doing here for the last days. Thanks for listening and to keep up to date with our network's campaigns, follow Friends of the Earth Europe on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website at www.foeeurope.org. Get involved with the Friends of the Earth near you by going to foeeurope.org network. Subscribe to this episode on iTunes, SoundCloud or wherever you download podcasts. And follow radio stories from around the Friends of the Earth International Network at radiomundoreal.fm. Thanks to Peter Temp for the music and see you next time. Bye!
This was Friends of the Earth Europe and Rio Radio.